Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Kylie McDaniel's piece on ESPN.com putting together some of the projections for what these starting pitchers are going to be asking for in free agency. Kylie McDaniel kind enough to join us now via the 101 ESPN hotline. Kylie, we appreciate the time as always, man. Let's start with the obvious right at the top of your list. You've got Shohei Otani and you say $600 million not out of the realm of the possible for him. If you're John Mosellock, let's go into fantasy land for a second. You got $55 million to spend, and you can either sign Blake Snell and one of the other top-tier starting pitchers or Shohei. Which route do you go? Uh, I would go with more of a bulk approach. I, I, I'll actually uh, I'll tip my hand a little bit here. Uh, when, when you guys texted to ask me to come on, I actually did research on this one, uh, not in terms of like reporting and what's going to happen, but just I pulled out my spreadsheets, which is that's my secret superpower. Putting some names together to try to solve this problem for you. Yes, please. That's a way to BK's heart there, So Kylie. how'd you do it, Kylie? Well, I don't know if I solved the problem, but this is like, this is my thinking. So I went through the last couple of years and saw like, all right, what was the team doing last year that they didn't do this year? And uh, it will probably surprise people to hear that if you go through each individual category of performance, uh, the Cardinals are one win worse in base running, two and a half wins worse on defense, one and a half wins worse at, uh, at, the, at the plate hitting, and then two and a half wins worse at pitching, which adds up to eight. Uh, the probably the record's probably going to be worse by more than eight runs. That tells you like the underlying stuff is not as much worse as the record will suggest. And I think because you know, so many young players, Mason Wynn hasn't showed up yet. A lot of guys had sort of down years. Uh, I think there's some natural positive regression coming. Like I'd say a couple wins worth uh, on the hitting side, which sort of eats into that eight wins of underlying loss. But then the real question, because I feel like all of the answers, uh, the current conundrum. Uh, on the lineup and bench side, I think they exist internally. You could get cute and maybe, you know, trade Dylan Carlson and get a pitcher. And then maybe all of a sudden, instead of spending the free agent money on pitchers, you could spend it on the hitter. But if I'm trying to be sort of straightforward, if you take what the payroll was before everybody got traded this year and then take all the expiring still on off, that gave me 62 was the number I came up with of money to spend. Um, and it turns out, I think internally, the like three, four, five starter, long reliever, and then all the double A, triple A starting pitching options, they're all there. So I think if you just go to the top of the free agent market and take, for example, I took Aaron Nola, who I have at about 20, 25 mil a year. Uh, Yamamoto, who's the best pitcher from TB, who's 25 years old. So he's like the youngest of all the starting pitching options, which is like a good option. I think he's also about 20 mil a year. And then if you want to beef up the bullpen, go Josh Hader, also about 20 million. A year. You guys add up to about 60, which I think is how much money you have. So if you just stand pat with everyone in the lineup and then add those three guys on top of everyone that's coming back, I don't know if that like solves the problem completely, but I think that goes a long way toward doing it rather than trying to add a bunch of, you know, five, ten million dollar guy here and there. I think what you need are the the big talents on top of all this. So, yes. so <laughs> yes, I know, Kylie. You, you got us way too excited now, <laughs> Kylie. So Kylie, just as a follow up there, because you said the three, four, five and the depth you feel like are in the system. Are they in the system for 2024, though? Because Matt's and Michaelis, obviously, but you feel like that number five in depth is in the system to help them compete next year. Yeah, I would say if you go, uh, if you go Libertor as like a provisional fifth, Hudson as like the long reliever option, or flip those two, depending on how you feel. 
And then eventually you got McGreevy, Graceffo, Rom, and Thomas. At least two of those guys will be ready when needed. And then you have the real guys with like Hintz, Roby, and Reverse at double A. Uh, so, I, I mean, there's a lot of playoff teams that would love to have that level. If you assume, you know, you sign the three pitchers or choir, whatever, the way I'm describing them, uh, having like a solid five and a long reliever and then at least two immediate options in triple a with two more that will be options maybe the second half and then just, let's just say one of those guys in double a that's like 10 11 starters like that's what the teams have and you need like 11 guys that you can sort of depend on even if it's just like a five and dive guy that can kind of fit and then get it to the bullpen which is why i thought hey there would make some sense that if these aren't going to necessarily be six innings deep you know uh you know Cy Young vote kind of guys you probably want to have a little more on the bullpen to feel better about it so I feel like bring that up and you could split hater into two ten million dollar guys but I feel like uh the listeners and myself included tend to like three guys at 20 then six guys at 10 if we're just talking like sort of yearly AAVs on the free agent market yeah it makes it for a more compelling conversation that's for sure at the top end of the market starting pitching wise Kylie a lot of these players are going to be attached to a qualifying offer in the past, this is not even something that I've really brought up for the Cardinals because like, it's a late second-round pick that you're talking about. This year, they're going to be picking like top five, maybe. Uh, how much does that play into your consideration of, like, for example, if you went Aaron Nola versus Lucas Giolito, who's not eligible for the qualifying offer? Yeah, no, that's a – I think it's, well, one of the things I wrote in this article was there are – I think it is uh, – let's see. That would be 14 of my 16 pitchers. Uh and only one of them, I think Hick or no, Hicks and Hader are the only two relievers. So it's just like almost entirely starting pitchers as the top 15. So you can very easily do like with actually the Mets did this offseason, not that that's like an endorsement of what they did. <laughs> Their strategy was the guys that will get us a comp pick if they leave, we're not sure about, let them go get the comp pick. Guys that we bring in, bring in guys that don't require a comp pick and sort of use that as like a, you know compensatory pick arbitrage. And I wouldn't say they picked the right guys necessarily, but there is a way to do that. Yamamoto, I think being 25 years old, not being subject to QO, being able to go five or six years and not feeling like you're being irresponsible by taking the youngest guy on the market, that totally makes sense. And yeah, if you wanted to go like say bring Hicks back on a big deal, the non-QO version of Hater at some level. And then with all these starting pitchers, I think the most important thing rather than the QO uh, is do you have a point of view about why this guy hasn't become what he could be? Like I think Jack Flaherty, that's a big question. Giolito, that's a big question. Uh, I think Eduardo Rodriguez has been a little bit up and down. How do you feel about that? Uh, one point I made, Aaron Noah had Cy Young level underlying numbers, but has, if you take the three main ERA estimators that are better at pre- predicting ERA year to year, he's underperformed all three of those estimators three years in a row. So if you have a, an idea about why that's happening, then you should just pick him and not worry about it. You're probably getting a discount. So I think more important than the QO is, is picking out the right guy. But I think Yamamoto will be a huge demand because he kind of fits all those different needs. Kylie, speaking of Nola, because that's been the guy that, that I've talked a lot on this show that I want the Cardinals to target. And, and rightfully so. There is concern over him not panning out to be that guy. If you look at Nola, does that seem to be the best fit for the Cardinals over, say, a Snell or a Giolito? So you guys can maybe speak to this more than I can. I have profiled the Cardinals from outside when it comes to, you know, trading for players, uh, targeting players in the draft, signing guys internationally. And also when they dip into free agency, they tend to not target the stuff guys that are a little bit wild and unpredictable. They tend to target the guys that are a little more of like athletic complete package sort of thing. Obviously like say, you know, Luke Weaver, Jack Flaherty, they tend to be that kind of guy. King Kent is that kind of guy. Steven Matz, yeah. McGreevy is that kind of guy. Like, so like Blake Snell doesn't really seem to be like a, 
I wouldn't even say a cultural fit. Like he doesn't seem to be the kind of guy that they value. And I think he'll be a little more expensive than the other two guys I just mentioned. So I just kind of assumed he was in, whereas Aaron Nola, Eduardo Rodriguez, even Julio Urias, like he, they feel a little bit more Cardinals to me as that also kind of matters. Cause it's, it's been the same people this whole time. It's not like a bunch. They've changed GMs three times while this has been happening. So it's interesting, Kylie, because I feel like philosophically, that's something that they're trying to figure out right now, because if you listen to what they say, they say they are starting to value swing and miss more. And that means that some of the other stuff, the erratic nature of ball strikes, like all of that, maybe that becomes secondary. But then you look at who they go out and acquire, and it's still a lot of the guys that do have more of the profile that they've had in the past with maybe a slight uptick in the swing and miss stuff. So Aaron Nola would be like, exactly what you would think that that would profile to be. Uh, It just really depends on, do you listen to what they say? Do you listen to what their actions are? Their actions seem to lead me to believe that Aranola is exactly the profile they would look at though. Well, and I would also say, well, I was, you know, talking about if you have a point of view on these guys, I would assume most teams don't, or they would have already tried to acquire these guys or would have like figured it out with their own pitchers. Like Jack Flaherty's on this list of guys, like, can you crack exactly what's going on with him? You'd think if the Cardinals were just like world-class best in the world at this, they probably would have figured it out with Jack Flaherty. Um, the other thing would be because there's like seemingly like 13 different guys that are all like roughly comparable starting pitchers. You can also just sort of sit back and be like, ah, the 13, we think these three were fit the best. And then all of a sudden one of them gets, you know, crazy overheated bidding and they go for twice what you think they're worth. You can also just kind of sit back and wait for them because like the last guy in this group uh, is like Sonny Gray, Marcus Stroman, Flaherty and Lorenzen. And the top guys are like Snell, Yamamoto and Nola in my mind. And, like, I don't feel like expectations for those guys year to year are, like, wildly different. Lorenzen, I think, is probably maybe not in that group. He just happens to be ranked after these guys. But all the guys start about $50 million going up to, like, 130 I don't feel like the, like, reward risk profile is wildly different. So you can also kind of wait for the market to come to you some. And if, like, say Jordan Montgomery is not getting a ton of interest and you can get him for, you know, four times 15 or, you know, something that seemingly is below the market, um, then just go to that. Because, like, he's not going to be totally different than, like, Julio Urias, who is like four years younger, but like I don't have like a much outlook for him over the next five years because you're kind of getting all of these guys roughly at a retail price on the open market. Everyone's got a shot at him. And so whoever happens to be on like a slight discount or who isn't sort of overpriced, I think is like, you know, an important variable to consider that we obviously don't know right now. So Kylie, every pitcher comes with risk, right? We, we know that whether it's they fall off a cliff or they get hurt, there are real questions about whether or not the, the guy that you sign is going to work out two, three, four years down the road. There other kind of risk that you bring up, though, with this year's free agent market is Yamamoto. He's 25 years old. He's been pitching in Japan. Everybody seems to love the guy. Give us a little bit of his scouting report from what you know about him. If the Cardinals were to sign him this offseason, what would they be getting? So there hasn't been, I mean, obviously it seems like there's been like an NPB pitcher of note coming over like every year or two. There hasn't quite been one this like uh, the set of uh, qualities. Uh, so he's 25. So he's being posted. You can start posting, getting the fee for, as the MPB team once they turn 25, which I think he hasn't even turned 25 yet, but he will like next month. So this is the first time that they can sort of market him and get full value for him. Uh, he is five, foot, but I wouldn't call him small. And I talked to one scout who was in Japan and said, I think he might be six foot. Like, I think he might be like <laughs> underrepresenting how tall he is. Um, and the sort of scouting report is he's incredibly athletic, repeats his delivery well, really throws strikes, executes. If you want to compare him to Kodai Senga, the most recent guy to come over, Senga's like a, you know, stuff, fringy command, but gets it done. Uh, Yamamoto is more of like an above average 
plus command and also is 25 and is the athlete to sort of suggest, again, similar to Aaron Nola, where he can continue doing this and sort of figures out a way to make the most of it. Uh, and is still sitting, you know, 93, 95, touching 97, has that plus splitter that you sort of expect to see from a lot of MVP pitchers. But he has, you know, above average slider and curveball and above average fastball velocity. Like, he sort of checks all the boxes, but because of the age athletic command profile, he seems like about as safe as you're going to get with a floor of like a, you know, sort of reliable, you know, Michaelis kind of pitcher, but could really be that, you know, you know, one of the better pitchers to come over from MVP in a while. Like, you know, I don't think comparing him to say like Daisuke, when Daisuke came over, uh, that was obviously a while ago, but like the hype was this guy might be a frontline guy. And he kind of was for a few years. Like, I don't think he's a wildly different talent in Yamamoto. Is it reasonable in your mind, Kylie, to expect the Cardinals to sign Nola and Yamamoto or two pitchers in that criteria this offseason. Do you think it's being unfair to say that that's the type of thing that they should be doing? Uh, I think that is the sort of easiest answer. I would uh, I would surmise if you made me guess, it will probably be more complicated than like we have 60 mil. Let's go sign three pitchers for 20 million a year. Like that's like a that's like a it's like almost come up with that at some level doesn't mean it's wrong, but it is very simple. Sure. Uh, I would imagine there are some ideas that they had internally that like hey, this hitter we think is a little overvalued in the market. We don't think he's going to get better. Maybe we can flip a pitcher, sign two pitchers instead of three, and then maybe sign a you know, $5, $10 million complimentary, you know, like an Adam Duvall type or something to fill out the hole that was left when we traded this hitter. Like I would imagine there's a, like a little more response and a couple more options and sort of knowing the trade market better than any of us can right now because we don't know what all the turn down trades were. Um, I think that's probably more realistically what the answer is. Uh, but I also don't think just because the answer I gave that I came up with in about 15 minutes is simple means that it's wrong. Cause like I, you guys like lit up like these players, like we know who they are. You kind of know what the team needs. Like, I don't think this is like any more complicated than that. Like you know, it's over the different answer, but uh, yeah, I don't think the complexity means it's a better answer. Final question that I've got for you last week, we talked to Eno Saris and he brought up the name Shota Imanaga, the other pitcher coming over from Japan, potentially that subjects to the posting fee as well uh, when you talk to people about him and what he could command this offseason he's a little older going to be 30 years old next year uh, what do you think the contract looks like for him and what's your scouting report on him yeah he would be the uh the sort of cheaper uh you know less raw stuff like doesn't quite blow you away option a little more of the traditional crafty lefty with really good control um and it would probably be in the you know if we're estimating say like the 40 50 million dollar area you know multi-year deal guy you can reliably get innings from i would imagine most pitchers that you think are you know a little older don't have like the huge stuff aren't going to be frontline guys but you got to give them multiple years because there's some track record and reliability but you're not getting to 20 million dollars a year so certainly if there is like again the 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 thing i prescribe is 20 million a year if you want to like sort of dial that back a bit he would be one of the options along with you know say like tyler molly from minnesota um if you want to go with like a cheaper option in relief you got Kimbrel. i don't know how you guys feel about that uh you know james Paxton. like there's some sort of mid-market options that i think could if you in the right year they stay healthy they sort of produce how you expect uh could give you like comparable um performance without having to go multiple years 100 billion dollars and all that kind of stuff kylie thank you for solving all of the world's problems specifically here in st louis <laughs> we can't wait to talk with you again going into the offseason about how the cardinals end up signing james paxton and sonny gray looking forward to that yeah, it's not the Nobel Peace Prize, but maybe I get some St. Louis-style pizza or something out of it. Uh, we'll give you that and T-Ravs, Kylie. If you get both of those guys here, we'll give you both. Free pass to the zoo as well. Yeah. Kylie, appreciate the time as not always, parking, man. though. Yeah, I know the agents. I'll make some calls. <laughs> Got it. That's Kylie McDaniel joining us here on 101 ESPN. Always appreciate him hopping on with us.